What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because smart marketers go where their target customers already are. And with over 500 million users and growing all the time, one place your target customers probably are is Pinterest. To help catch us up on all the latest strategies and best practices for getting more traffic, more sales, more leads from Pinterest is our resident Pinterest marketing expert, Kate All from simplepinmedia.com. Kate, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm excited to catch your listeners up on what's going on with Pinterest. Absolutely. It's been a couple years and I know a lot has changed on the Pinterest platform since we last chatted in 2019. And I'm actually starting to see some signs of life from my own Pinterest account, which I've kind of written off for a while to focus on SEO instead. But stick around in this episode to uh, learn what's working now on Pinterest, how to optimize your content for Pinterest as a search engine, and some cool things you can even do to sell your own products. Notes and links for this one and all the resources mentioned in this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash pin2021, P-I-N 2021. And if you want to learn more about driving traffic to your website, I want to invite you to check out the trafficcourse.com. This is my all-new quick study course on how bloggers and online business owners can step up their traffic game with the same simple and effective keyword and content strategies that I use to drive over 300,000 page views a month. Again, that's at thetrafficcourse.com. Check it out, see if it's right for you. But Kate, catch me up. We might be using some outdated or ineffective Pinterest strategies since it's changed so much over the years at a high level What do you see working today for bloggers, online business owners? And then we can dive into some specifics. Yeah, 2020 was a huge explosion of Pinterest with everybody home. And what we saw explode was video and the introduction of story pins, which is really new for the platform because story pins don't link anywhere, but they do live forever. So what we saw was this explosive growth in users And as people really flooded to the platform, what they were looking for was an escape from, you know, the Facebook threads or this political conversation or even some of the just world events. They wanted a place to dream into or to do things when they were stuck at home. So Pinterest literally doubled their user base to almost 500 million and they grew a lot internationally. So what we've heard from Pinterest, especially in Q4 in their earnings report. They also went public, I think, right after you and I chatted on the last podcast. So there's a lot more at stake to really appeal to their shareholders or stockholders. And they have said for 2021, video is going to be a huge push and shopping integrations are going to be another huge push. What do you see working on the video front? Is this like full-scale YouTube-style videos just pushed to Pinterest as well? No, we're seeing the short poppy. So a lot of bloggers remember the tasty style videos or the quick things that we saw on Facebook when video was introduced over there. We're seeing that happen on Pinterest as well. Less than a minute, 30, things that are super engaging, really. It could even be a showcase of products that people have, but something that really hooks them in to that curiosity, like, ooh, that looks really cool. And Pinterest is the place where people have always said that. They've always said, well, that's such a great idea. I never thought of that. People are taking and moving that into video and giving short snippets like a teaser to get them to click over to the website. And Pinterest has said that video views increased by 800% on Pinterest in 2020. And so a lot of our clients are 
doing videos, again, that are less than a minute 30, really quick to the point, they are making them both in a square format. And then you can also make them in a two to three format. And some people are even repurposing TikTok videos, and they're actually getting some pretty good engagement with those. Okay, so square format, or does it matter? Does one see better engagement or better results than the other? You know, in the beginning, it was the square format a lot. But you know, now I think it is going to be more the two to three, kind of what we saw the same iteration of images on Pinterest. Square started out working really well, but then two to three, because it takes up more space, does well. However, people are also using a static image on the bottom of that two to three, and then having the video move at the top. We're hearing a lot of people using the tool called Jump Rope to create their videos super easy, because that's another thing that was a huge hurdle for bloggers was, how do I create video that doesn't take me hours or I need like Adobe Premiere? When we first started creating video for our client back in early 2020, late 2019, that's the only thing you could use. And now there's a lot of apps on your phone to make it super easy. So go with two to three to start. But if you have Square, at least do it. Don't let the size stop you. Really tell the story or get them hooked in through that particular video so that they can come to your website to learn more. Okay, this is important because this is instead of a horizontally oriented image, like a 16 by nine or something like HD or widescreen format for YouTube. It's like, no, go with the vertical style video that you see on Instagram or TikTok. Yeah, they don't make it easy, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, never, it's if we easy. could just do one size across all platforms, that would be fantastic. But you know, with those tools like Jump Rope and the other ones, people are finding they can still use their 16 by nines just simply by putting the video on the top and then a static image with text on it on the bottom. Okay, so let's say you have a high priority piece of content that you want to promote. Maybe it's a, a list post or an affiliate post. Would you go through and say, like for in my example, I've got like 99 side hustle ideas you can start today or something. Would I make a video about like, here's the top 10 side hustles you can start today and try and keep that under a minute and just kind of have it, you know, fly in different graphics, not necessarily doesn't have to be me like narrating or talking head, but it could just have graphics flying in and text that shows what those ideas are. Yeah. And I would even have that opening slide of the video be a question, something that gets them curious, like, did you know you could make money this way? And then out of your list of the 99, pick the most obscure and then put those as the top five to eight. I think it just depends on how long the video will be. With that, I'd recommend 45 seconds or shorter. With food videos or DIY, you can do a little bit longer. But with these info videos, I'd make them super quick so they don't lose interest. But yeah, have the words fly in, make it some of those ones that people never thought of, or even using a question on the front that says, have you thought, or maybe you didn't realize this is a way that you could make money. I'm sure there's a better way to say that sentence, but some place that you can really hook them in right away with that video. They do autoplay in the feed. And so know that when people scroll, you know, down their phone, these will start playing. So you want to, you know, catch them with that catchy phrase right at the front and then have that next, you know, way to make money even more enticing. Okay. Really hook people in with like, oh, did you know we had a guest who was, uh, you know, renting out portable hot tubs. Did you know? I was like, this is one of the most random, coolest <laughs> totally. side hustles that I'd ever considered. 
Um, okay. And so trying to do something like that, that hooks people in calls to action at the end of the video. Yeah, definitely a call to action because Pinterest has changed the way a video links over this last year and it's become harder and harder. So normally Pinterest users are primed to click on the image. And when you click on the image, it actually just stops the play of the video. We have to scroll over to the title in order to get the click. So we suggest at the end of your video saying, click the link below this video, or you could say something like, go to simplepinmedia.com or Side Hustle Nation to learn more. You at least want to have that there so that they can see it if they for some reason can't figure out how to click or navigate in the app. Because that is something that Pinterest is trying to do is keep people on the platform longer. And that again ties back to their stockholders because Pinterest users are always primed to move off. And so they want to keep people on the platform longer and video is a way that they're doing that. Okay. Would you just schedule these out to your normal uh, boards or how would you go about posting those for optimal viewership? Yeah. So number one, let's take that one example that you have. If it is ways to make money as a site, let's just take ways to make money. I'm sure it's probably more descriptive than that. But let's say if it's ways to make money, you want to put it on that board because Pinterest still looks to the board name and then anything in the pin description to decide where to show that video. So if people are interested in ways to make money, that's where they're first going to take that video and show it to them. And then if anybody does save that video, that's going to give Pinterest even more information about what that person's interested in. So they're going to pull the pins from that board. So whenever you first pin a pin to Pinterest, you always pin it to the board that most closely aligns keyword wise with that particular pin. So you can schedule it. Actually, scheduling's a little tough just because it doesn't always pull that opening slide. And so we actually recommend just uploading Pinterest natively using the platform. Okay, for the video stuff specifically or all images now? No, just for the video stuff specifically. And that's just because the scheduling tools out there have a difficult time grabbing the right title screen. And so if you go ahead and schedule it, you might get a different screen that pulls and you, because you spent so much time really creating that teaser, you want that to be front and center. Do you have an example or two of videos that have done really well, maybe gotten some viral exposure or keyword exposure that we could link up in the show notes for the sake of of an example here? Okay, some videos that are doing really well on Pinterest. Some of them obviously are around the DIY. So you can, knitting is a great example. I know there's probably not a lot of knitters who listen to your podcast, but I will say that people want to see how things are done in this short form video like we talked about. So knitting is one. We've seen people in the decor space who have shown just the space in itself. The videos that I've done have just been showing simple PDFs that we offer that come in. Those have actually done pretty good. I think the thing that people need to know is what's relative good engagement for your audience. So obviously, if I talk about a knitter, that is a tutorial. That's something that people are going to stay really hooked in in. And then food, people want to see how it's made. But when it comes to like business to business or even finance or anything like that, you need to get a little bit more creative in not necessarily showing the actual video of like you doing your budget, which you could do. But you want to think about what we talked about just a minute ago, those things flying in from side to side. Those don't do as well 
as the DIY in the food. But that's just because DIY and food tend to lead on Pinterest anyway. And so I would say just start with a few that you think would work and test them out. What we have seen is that the first couple videos that you do on Pinterest do well. And then after that, you'll start to see kind of some lagging metrics. But again, I think that's Pinterest rewards kind of those first time video usage. Okay, so make sure they're good and the most important videos that you can make. Exactly, but not too much pressure that you become paralyzed. One thing that can work that is seen kind of a little bit like video is the podcast snippet. So if somebody has a podcast, we've done this for my podcast actually, is you can get the face of the person and it's the wave player where they're they're talking. Now, the only thing about this is that Pinterest doesn't automatically default to sound. And so you'll have to do something that says turn your sound on or like that, you know, sound on microphone thing. We have tried that. We've gotten some pretty good listens and clicks off of that. I would say B2B or somebody that's more of an obscure blogger is going to have to get a little bit more creative and do some searching on Pinterest. This is what I do is I go into Pinterest, I'll search things, I'll search video, and I just kind of want to see what other people are doing. And the great part is, is that video is still so new that there's really a lot of space to grow. Okay, that's exciting. Now I've been using a tool called Headliner app or headliner.app to make those kind of waveform videos specifically for YouTube in my case, but um, imagine could do something similar, you know, pull a clip that would be interesting and throw that up on Pinterest to try and, you know, find some new listeners, find a little bit of engagement there. Tell me about these story pins. Uh, You mentioned those at the beginning. Yeah, story pins have gone through a couple iterations. Pinterest first released them in 2018, and they did link to your website, and then they pulled back on them completely. Then in June of this year, after running some beta tests, they released them again, and this time without the link. Here's the interesting thing about story pins is, you know, every platform now, even including Twitter, has a story version to it now that we've had Instagram and everybody else create a story. So it's the same thing, except pinners aren't really interested in your life. And that's very much true to even when it happens with the actual static pins. So now we refer to them as static pins, story pins, and video pins. Okay. So Pinterest users always come onto Pinterest with the idea of how are you going to serve me? How are you going to help me find what I need to find what tool, dream into, tutorial, whatever it is? That same philosophy still applies to story pins. So when we use them, what we're doing is we're telling a quick teaser story. So let's take again your example of the side hustles. You could create a video and then you could turn around and create a story pin. And what they have are cards. And the first card is going to be the title card. And then you would do the next five to eight of the obscure jobs that people can do. And then at the end, it will prompt them to go to your profile. And so what you can also say on that end slide before they click on your profile is go search Side Hustle Nation side hustle jobs or something that you know people will search. Here's the interesting thing and how it ties into SEO is that a lot of people are finding these really, really helpful and then they want more information. Because Pinterest doesn't link, we're seeing an increase in direct traffic to people's websites from Pinterest or even just people putting in those specific terms because they want to find it and they're very intent on getting what they want. So 
this is totally new behavior. Is that inviting people to take a Google search or a Pinterest search? Yeah, a Google search. Oh, so okay. you can even say, go to Google search, da 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 da. Okay. That's actually really interesting, especially if you now are driving people there and maybe you're the third or fourth result on the page, but all of a sudden you have a really high click-through rate because you know, you're directing everybody there and so you move up in the ranks and I could see that being a virtuous circle for sure. It is really cool. And what we're hearing from a lot of people who have leaned into story pins is that they are seeing in their Google Analytics less the static pins driving a lot of traffic and this Pinterest.com slash. It's kind of this when people just come to your profile on Pinterest and they click on your website. So it's people coming directly from the profile, okay. which is really interesting. Which before, like, that's not very visible. It's more because that's, that's not in anybody's feed unless they, you know, really click through and try and seek it out. I want to learn more about this particular person. Right, exactly. So the thing that there was a lot of pushback, especially from bloggers, really frustrated with story pins because they didn't link, right? They were like, wait a minute, I'm putting in all this work and it doesn't link. Pinterest, you can make story pins inside Pinterest. You simply click the plus button. It says, do you want to create a pin, a board or a story or a video? Create a story. And you just literally have cards, again, telling the story. It's less this, you can do video in there too, 15 second video, but it's not the story that we see on Instagram. It's not like about us, it's about them. So this is a great way to take your posts that you have on your website and turn them into these quick little poppy teaser posts just to see if you get more engagement from people. I'm a big fan of them, and I see that Pinterest is really going to be pushing them more and more. You can see them on your app. When you open up Pinterest, you'll see the bubbles at the top like you would on Instagram. Those are story pins. And again, they live forever. So if people save them, which that's what a lot of people do, they don't go away like they do on Instagram. You don't have to try to save them to like a highlight. They just live on people's boards like a regular pin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see this working for... I guess similar to the videos where, you know, it's a maybe you have a step-by-step guide to do something where it's like, okay, here's the five steps. And if you want to learn more, you know, Google whatever it was, plus Side Hustle Nation or something, just to make sure that you find my listing or, you know, go check the profile and then, you know, you'll find it over there. That's an interesting one. And cool that they don't expire because like, that's the same thing with Instagram. Like, I'm gonna go through all this effort to make an Instagram story and then it's, you know, it's disposable social media just disappears. Yeah. And it feels like a lot of pressure to do something that only lasts 24 hours. (laughs) Whereas with this, it does have this really great side benefit of still getting traffic. So I think even though there's not a link there, remember that people come to your profile and then they click on that link that's at the top, which for your listeners, that's a really good call to action for them is go to your profile if you're going to be using story pins and make sure that your profile is up to date with your branding, with your name, with what you talk about. And it's not something that's really outdated. And I would come onto your profile and it would, maybe you talk about dogs and now you're talking about horses or something like that. Like make sure it's current because it's really easy to let our profile lapse and not pay attention to it. Because for a long time, Pinterest profile really wasn't important. People weren't really called to action to go to it, which leads to now followers are becoming important again, whereas they weren't before. Okay. And one thing, speaking of the profile, is on the Simple Pin Media profile, you've got this cool 
video thing that plays at the very top. It's the, hey, if you want help from Pinterest, we can do it for you, or you can do it yourself with the help of our, you know, digital products and learnings and learning uh, lessons. Is that a new thing, this video profile header? You know, it's been within the last year that they've added that. So you can do a static image or you can do a video. It doesn't have any sound unless you, I think, click sound on your phone. But we added that in there. It's less than a minute 30. It's a pretty cool way to use video. And just we had took a longer form video that we had done for our website and we cut it down. I think the one on our website was like three and a half minutes. So we cut it down just to the words that people could see it, even if they didn't play the sound so that they knew what we were about. That looks pretty slick. Yeah, it's just kind of a very high level overview of here here we are, here's what we do, here's how we help you, and here's kind of the next step, or it's kind of an invitation to, to take it to the next step. And if you can see, since you're on the profile, now underneath what you see are created, the words created and saved. And what Pinterest does now is when you visit a profile, it defaults to created. And this is showing all the pins that have been created on the profile. And as you can see at the top, we're utilizing story pins quite a bit. And they're anywhere between four and 11 cards that we're using, but we're taking a lot of how-tos that we already have from our website, like how to clean up Pinterest boards is one of our most popular posts on Pinterest. And so we took that and we repurposed it into a story pin. And we've actually ended up getting about almost 400 saves on that particular story pin because it was one of our most popular ones that Pinterest already it was already there. So if people are going to start with story pins, we recommend looking at your top 10 pins and the topics that are already working on Pinterest and just repurposing those into a story pin. And we're hearing that from other people too, that it's working really, really well to get these story pins into people's feeds. Because that's a hurdle that Pinterest had to solve this last July. They changed their algorithm a little bit to what was called like controlled distribution. And what they realized is that people aren't naturally gravitating towards story pins or video pins because they don't know they're there. So they started to slowly drip them into their feed. So once you click on a story pin, what you'll notice is you'll see a ton of story pins now in your feed, which means that anybody who's creating story pins has a great opportunity to reach a new audience because Pinterest is looking for a way to show these to people. Okay, yeah. So I'm on uh, one of yours. It's how to upload a video pin on Pinterest, and it's got six or seven slides. It's got the title, kind of that title slide with the eye-catching, you know, here's how to upload the video pin. And then it says, okay, make sure, you know, it gets your technical aspects, you know, in the right resolution and everything. And it kind of walks people through step-by-step how to do that. And at the end, the call to action is follow Simple Pin Media or visit simplepinmedia.com for more Pinterest marketing tips. And then it kind of replaces with your uh, kind of like a profile placeholder at the end. And, you know, there's an invitation to follow if you're not. Yeah, that's definitely the what you want to do at the end, because you want to make sure that people know what to do, right? As they get to the, like, they're like, this is so good. Okay, I want more. Right. And that's what you want to do with a story pin is give them enough that shows you have value to deliver to them and that that will lead to them clicking on that last. And it looks different on desktop than it does on mobile. So we tell people go look at story pins on mobile because the final slide is a little bit different. It's like they add a second one, 
or not a second one, but they add another one at the end that is the call to action to people's profile. They just put that there on mobile. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Is there a keyword optimization element to these as well? For example, I noticed one is just titled uh, very descriptively, how to upload a video pin on Pinterest, and then it's pinned to the Pinterest Marketing Education Board. Yeah, there really it's that title there that you want to really nail. They'll give you the options when you upload that story pin of where to add it. So that title is going to be the most important. So add that title there. Think of the keywords that you want to use. And like I said, the ones that are already doing well for you on Pinterest, if we know they're already doing well, it means that they've been keyworded the way that Pinterest wants, where it's going to show it to more people. Just stick with that same phrase. Like, How to clean up Pinterest boards is the same one that we've used forever. If you don't know what to keyword, Pinterest has a new tool called Pinterest Trends, and you can find that by going to trends.pinterest.com. This is the equivalent or the closest equivalent that we have to something for Google. It's the way that you can see what keywords are trending on Pinterest and when they're trending. And they've allowed you to break it down between Canada, the UK, and the US. So what we suggest people do is go to the trends tool to see if you have an idea, when are people searching for it? So if it is budgeting, you're going to see a lot of people go crazy in January at that term. But then you want to even layer it with creating a budget or how to budget some longer tail keywords so you can see when those things are trending. 
And when they are trending is when we tell people start creating story pins because they're the most in the moment. But then think about how you want to create static pins to have those kind of your foundational elements in the background. If you don't punch in a custom title, it just pulls from the blog post title, like if you're pinning from your website, right? Right. Yes. Well, let's see. With a story pin, no, you have to put in a title because it's not going to pull any link. So you have to fill in as much as possible. But when it comes to a static pin, yes, it'll just pull in the title of your blog post. Is there an advantage to customizing that in some way if it's already somewhat keyword relevant? Yeah, I would say the advantage would be sometimes, are we talking about static pins or story pins? Yeah, let's talk about static pins. Okay. So with static pins, what I would say is sometimes what people are searching on Google is not always the exact thing that they're searching on Pinterest. And so what I would do is go to the search bar on Pinterest and search to see if that's something that people are searching. And if they're not, you can use a different phrase if you want in your title and your pin description and even get more creative in what's actually on your pin. So that's where you have a lot of freedom to mess around with how you want to phrase whatever it is you think people are interested in. So you do have, you don't have to go with exactly what you've picked for Google. You can really play around with what you think the Pinterest users are searching. And does it make sense to vary the words that are on your static pin image to be different from that title? Or should those kind of align so people can visually see when they're searching like, okay, this is the one that I want? Yeah, I would say, especially if you're doing a how-to, sometimes people can get like a little bit too, you know, if you've written a post, like how to upload a video pin on Pinterest, just do that. How to upload a video pin on Pinterest. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah. So you want to be directly correlating to it. But if you have some, some room, the most important thing is that Pinterest has the visual search recognition and they do read words on pins. So if you are going to change up any of the name in there, just make sure that you at least have the core of the keyword, right? Like if I was going to say how to keyword on Pinterest, I would make sure keyword on Pinterest is there. You can take out the how to. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm looking at some of my own pin titles and they're really similar to like the text that's on the image versus the text that's pulling from the title and even some of the URLs or some of the you know, the previous title tags had years like 2019, 2018. It's like, well, shoot, I should go in and update these for like 2021. Now people, have, if they click on this, well, well, maybe this isn't as relevant as it could be. Right. Definitely. I would highly recommend if you have a date to update the pin image, especially if it's yearly and you update that post yearly. Yeah, go ahead and do that every single year and change up, you, you know, Here's another thing I think that has changed as we talked about like tactics changing. Pinterest has said in late 2018 that they wanted fresh images. And so what a lot of people did was they created 25 images for one URL. Well, late last year, late 2020, Pinterest said, actually, one image, one URL is quote unquote, a fresh image. So they realized that people were kind of abusing the system, if you will. And so Pinterest said, hey, the first time it hits the platform is the most important, that first image and that URL right there. You want to make sure it goes to the board that it's keyworded to. And then after that, you can certainly create more images, but we're going to put the most weight on this first image. 
And we've seen that a lot with some of our data that has come through. So that's been a big change since I think you and I talked last. Okay, that's that's helpful. Like, well, you know, marketers ruin everything. It's like, well, if you want, <laughs> if you want more images, you will crank out more images. Um, right. Same thing with like the group boards back in the day. But okay, so that's actually helpful to say. Okay, that reduces the workload, and you can still, if you want to split test. Either it's, it's not going to be one for one since they're still going to wait the original. But if you want to test a different image to see if that gets more traction, you're welcome to do so, but don't feel obligated to create 16 different pins for one piece of content. Yes. And don't feel like you have to pin. There's also that pinning a ton of pins per day. Because of the switch in images, we've definitely seen people pull back to doing 10 or so per day, depending on how much content they have. I do about seven-ish, and then we integrate story pins. Sometimes we even drop to five pins a day and then do story pins and then a video pin. There's a lot more diversification on Pinterest. So even if you have one new post, you can repurpose it on Pinterest into three to four story pins and one video. So you can have a lot of fun with the diversification beyond just the static pin and how we saw, okay, let's create 25 new images. It's like, nope, let's just create one amazing one to knock it out of the park. If you want to create more later, that's fine. But then use your diversification and creativity in your story pins. Okay. Now, if you have a ton of content, like you've got hundreds and hundreds of posts and you're only pinning five to 10 times per day, it might be months before that you know article that you wrote three years ago you know, circulates back to the top of the scheduler or gets pinned again. Is that a problem there? No, not usually, because chances are what we found is that most people in that position probably pinned a lot before that that pin is out there a ton already. And so let's say we have something that's very time specific, like Christmas, or if you know, or a particular holiday or time of year, we do recommend going back to those posts to make sure that they do become top of the scheduling tool, because you want to make sure that they're getting out there at the right time. But things that are evergreen, they're probably already out there in the Pinterest system anyway. So it's not as much of a concern for the old ones as much as it is the new pins. And so Pinterest is really looking for new content on their platform because they have so many new users. So don't worry as much about your old stuff, especially if it's already been pinned. The only time we tell you to go back to that older content is what's already driving the most traffic from Pinterest and then potentially creating a new image for it or a story pin. That is helpful <laughs> versus, look, dude, you're just you're just wasting your time trying to pin this thing from four years ago. We've seen it. We know it's up there. We still don't like it, but it's fine. Talk to me about the analytics stuff. So is there uh, you know, a metric or two that you are really trying to pay attention to and optimize for if I, if I look at my Pinterest analytics? Yeah, analytics has changed a lot too. I will say that Pinterest analytics have gotten more exhaustive and more detailed, which has been great. So number one, we're always gonna look for the click. Where are Pinterest users moving off the platform to come to our website? How much time are they spending on that particular page? And is there a way for us to continue to re-engage with them? That's the first path that we follow from Pinterest. And that's what they call outbound clicks. Yeah, outbound clicks. Exactly. They have a new tool as well that I'll just touch on real briefly. We did a, a blog post about this, but it's called Conversion Insights. And this is really one that's going to be helpful for people who have a checkout or a cart. 
And it's adding the Pinterest tag so that you can see without running a promoted pin, what type of activity you're getting from Pinterest and how much you're actually making on these conversions. Because in 2021, Pinterest is going to really lean into shopping metrics. And so this is in beta. It's a really new, it's a little bit clunky. It does require you to install a tag on your website. And we think for those who are even digital products or physical products, this could be a really cool tool from Pinterest. So I just wanted to at least mention that if you see that in there, it's called Conversion Insights. Wait for it to get a little bit better over the next six months, but at least be paying attention to it and see if you can install the tag on your site if you sell things. Now, if you're not selling anything and you're simply just driving traffic to your website just to do ad revenue or affiliate revenue, this is probably something you can go ahead and ignore. This is really cool for e-commerce. I hadn't seen this little section before. And actually what I have set up since the side hustle site is primarily monetized with affiliate income, at least that's the primary goal for a lot of the, the Pinterest traffic that we're driving is using kind of some estimated earnings per click metrics and tying that into the pretty links. So a lot of the outbound affiliate links are pretty links and say, okay, sometimes clicks on that. On average, that's worth 30 cents. So we'll count that as a conversion. And so that's how we estimate the value of the traffic that we're getting from Pinterest. But the default here is impressions. They'll tell you, how many impressions did you have over the last 30 days? It's like, well, impressions are great, but impressions don't pay the bill. So you have to kind of toggle down in the dropdown to this outbound clicks metric. And then it'll show you if you scroll down your top pins, which are you know, kind of interesting to look at because I look at some of these are like, these are not necessarily the most attractive pins, not necessarily the <laughs> ones that I'm most proud of having created, but they're for whatever reason, they're, uh, they're doing well. So if I'm looking at this top pins thing, what kind of actions or, or learnings are you taking from those? So there's two things. As you'll notice right next to it, there's a little box you can check that says pins created in the last 30 days. So there's two ways we use this. Before we check that box, what we do is we look through here and we see this is probably the pins that are driving the most traffic of all time. We will most likely see these pins show up in our Google Analytics. And that's really where we're following that path to say, this is our Pinterest traffic that's probably gonna be super dependable. It's the older pins, pretty ugly, but it's still resulting in Pinterest traffic because it's coming up high in search on Pinterest. So when we look at that, we say, okay, how can we monetize through an affiliate link, get people on the email list, or what whatever our goal is for our website? That's what we do with those top ones right there that are driving traffic to our website. Okay. Then if we click on that little box and we check it, pins created in the last 30 days, what this tells us is how new pins are working. And this is new for Pinterest because we used to not be able to see this unless we did a UTM on the pin or we dove a little deeper into our Google Analytics and timeframes. But what this tells us in the last 30 days is which pins are getting picked up by Pinterest that are new and which ones are doing well. And so we check on this once a month. I tell people, go into your analytics the first week of every month, do some digging at what happened the previous month, what you can learn, and then see that, oh, this is doing really well. I'm going to end up recreating something, maybe writing another piece of content that is closely aligned with the topic here. Or maybe I see that people love how-tos. That's a lot of mine. 
whenever I do a how-to or how such and such works, we get a lot of good saves and clicks because people are really interested in the how-tos when it comes to Pinterest marketing. So we take that and we then recreate new content around the how-to or what people are struggling with. Okay, new Pinterest content that relates back or points back, refers people back to the content on your website that you've already created. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So I'm looking at mine. So I have a pin on passive income ideas has performed reasonably well. Best side hustles for introverts has performed pretty well. Both of those are kind of list style posts. So they would be ripe for either video pins or story pins kind of following that format, you know, card, 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 you know, ideas one through five. Hey, if you want more, check out the full post at Side Hustle Nation. Yeah, even a great story pin for you would be like how introverts can make money or how introverted entrepreneurs can make money as a story pin would be really interesting to see because it hits on that. Oh, I'm an introvert. I'm an entrepreneur or even how introverts can make money. I'm going to get super curious about that. I'm not even an introvert, (laughs) but I'd be curious because it's like, oh, what would they say? How would they say an introvert could make money? And it's all about that curiosity piece. I remember that was a big uh, piece to writing kind of your pin, not necessarily the titles, but the text on the image, like really, you know, driving that curiosity, you know, 17 mind blowing ways to save $500 a month. And you're like, well, if it's mind blowing, I better click on that. (laughs) Do you still see that level of, not, I, I won't go so far as saying like clickbaitiness, but right. the the curiosity element. Yeah, we do actually. And we've incorporated that. We created, because of this how-to piece that we saw, we created a Pinterest tutorials hub on our website. First and foremost, it was kind of to appeal to Google SEO. But secondary, we created a few different images for this particular post. And one of them that does well says everything you need to know about Pinterest marketing. We mean everything and it's underlined with an arrow that says, get the tutorials. So we didn't say the Pinterest how-to hub or Pinterest tutorials. We want them to know that this is where you can find everything. Arrows are really helpful. Boxes are really helpful. So if you have something where it's a guide, We recommend you having on your image or even on your story pin something that looks like a box because our brains are hardwired to like click on, you know, push on an image, push on a box. And so if it's a box at the bottom of your pin that says get the guide, people are naturally inclined to click on it to see what it is. So getting creative about arrows, boxes, and then yeah, that teaser text, not so much clickbait to where you're not going to give the person what you say you're going to give them on the other side, but enough to make them intrigued. Okay. That's, I like that call to action visually, you know, get the guide, here's the button arrow pointing to it that I think we could probably do a better job with some of that, especially like, oh, you know, get, you know, free, you know, habit tracker bonus file, you know, something that, you know, maybe you have a a PDF or you have some lead magnet that's on that page that people can go uh, opt in for, make it super obvious there. Are there any rules of thumb for Pinterest images, like where to source them, you know, what to make sure to include or not include. Like (laughs) years and years ago, it was like, well, don't include pictures of people's faces or something. It was like, well, why is that? I don't know, but they don't get clicked on very much. I don't know. Any rules of thumb that you're seeing there? 
No, not really. We actually have seen Pinterest really pull back on that faces piece. You know, they did say that in the beginning, but we're not seeing that hold true much anymore. Um, It's really about the niche too. So if you are in fashion, people want to see the whole outfit. That includes your face. So it's okay to do that. The only time we tell people not to really lean into your face piece is in the story pin to where, you know, on Instagram, you kind of do a story pin talking about your life. Pinners don't care about that. So that's when your face really isn't important because they're looking for something they can save for later because it delivers value. And what you did during the day doesn't deliver value to them. Gotcha. Is Tailwind still a thing to schedule out these new images as you create them or you know sprinkle them across all the different boards on your account? Yeah, they are. And we're actually seeing Tailwind has had a new integration with something they call Create, where you can create the images in Tailwind and then you can schedule them out. And then after they released that, we saw Canva come out with their own scheduling tool as well for both Instagram and Pinterest too. And then we there's another tool called Planoly. Again, we're seeing a lot of people want Instagram Pinterest integrations in their scheduling tool. And so we've seen a lot of the scheduling tools as they get approved for either Instagram or Pinterest, they're getting approved for the opposite platform so that people can use both within their scheduling tool. So Tailwind is still a thing. Planoly is now an option. Canva Pro is what it's called. So you can create your images in Canva, which a lot of people do already, and then schedule them in Pinterest. And then there's also Later. So there's more options on the table now. It really comes down to which ones help you become more productive in your time and scheduling. So we still use Tailwind here at Simple Pin for all of our clients. We still find that it's pretty productive, but we don't use their create tool for our clients. We still use Canva. So both Canva and Tailwind are a part of our ecosystem here. And have you seen a difference between scheduling pins through one of these tools versus manually pinning on the platform? You know, we haven't, but I know that within the last probably two to three months, there has been some debate around people seeing a difference, especially in using Tailwind. So we did reach out to them to kind of surface this thing that we were seeing. And they said it was definitely something that was a glitch and they were working with Pinterest as to why that was the case. But I think it does bring up a good point that we started really investigating was if less pins per day are more important, or I guess like that, you know, so many pins per day is not important anymore, then does it still make sense to have a scheduling tool? And what we found is that it does simply because people who have a lot of older content need to make sure that it is scheduled far out in advance and you remember to do it. Yeah. I know for me, if I didn't use a scheduling tool, I would never pin. I just, I would forget. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm going to have a hard time making an appointment in my day to like, okay, it's Pinterest time, like go find five things to go to. It's like so much better to just set it up once and and run it for a month or three months and and just uh, set it and forget it in a way. And then as you create new stuff, of course, during that time, you can add that in. But for all of the uh, older content or images that you've already created, one cool thing that I did want to ask you about that I've seen recently on Pinterest is, so you mentioned that accounts are going to have kind of the created and then the saved tabs. I've seen some accounts that now have a shop tab, like for their own digital products, at least the ones that I've been looking at were digital products. And I thought that was really cool. Can you talk to me a little bit about Pinterest as a new e-commerce outlet? 
Yeah, they really, really want to invest a lot of resources into the shopping integration this year. So back in July of 2020, they introduced what was called the Verified Merchant Program. Sometimes you'll see profiles with a little blue check mark. That means that they have uploaded their catalog through Pinterest, most likely with the Shopify integration. And therefore, they get the Verified Merchant check and then they get the Shop tab. What this shop tab is, is that that catalog that has been uploaded will now refresh every single day to reflect inventory and current pricing. So that tab every single day just refreshed. Now, there has been some bumps in the road with this. We know people who use big commerce or other platforms have had a difficult time getting approved through the Verified Merchant Program even through Shopify too, as well, for ambiguous reasons, or, you know, you really need to have like your privacy policy in place, your return policy, your shipping policy, everything has to be front and center for Pinterest to see that to approve you. And sometimes they'll even come back and say, well, you don't fit our style or something just really lame like that. So just know that they are working to make the shop tab integration easier for all sellers, mostly physical product sellers, not so much digital. And it looks like the transactions do take place on your own site. So I'm on the Savvy Couple. So this is Callan and Brittany from the com, And they've got some printables that they're selling. So one of them was the monthly meal planner. When I click on that, it, it takes me to their site or to their kind of shopping cart store. And it says, okay, add to cart versus you know, Pinterest processing that transaction. Yeah, Pinterest has said they're very clear that they will not have a shopping integration on their site. They will send you to your website. They did try the buy now button probably about four years ago, and then they pulled that completely because I don't think they want to be a checkout service. They want you to have that. So their solution to that right now is that shop tab. So if you can do the integration, definitely lean into it. Simply search Verified Merchant Program, and it walks you through the steps. Just know that it has been very clunky, but Pinterest aims to make it even better as the year goes on, because they really do want to be a place where people stop and actually make the purchase. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool, and it sets some profiles apart. It's a, well, not only do you have all these monthly viewers that are publicly visible, but you also have this shop. Oh, you have your own products. Like, okay, let me check those out. Those It makes it look more, I don't know, established in a way. So I thought that was kind of cool to maybe keep an eye on, play around with in the future if you are in that either physical e-commerce space where you've got some sort of printable business. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you sharing your insight on all things Pinterest. It's kind of a little bit of a foreign language to me, but I've, I'm encouraged because I just got to believe like 500 million users. I know there's some people out there who could use some help making extra money doing the side hustle thing out there. Just a matter of trying to be more intentional and diligent about getting stuff in front of them. So what's uh, what's going on with you? What's next in your business? What are you excited about these days? Well, we have the Simple Pin Collective, which is our Pinterest marketing membership. We just found that it was really hard to teach in a course. So we have had that for the last two years. And now we're taking that same similar model. And we're going to t- be teaching people about promoted pins, the ads part of Pinterest in a membership format called our ad society. So that'll be really fun to see where people are at with testing and trying promoted pins. The membership will be super affordable too, because we know that people have to pay for 
their ad dollars, you know, and that adds to the kind of the cost that goes into promoted pins. Who do you see uh, the promoted pins working best for? You know, promoted pins really work best for a lot of the physical product sellers and even the digital product sellers, people who have something to offer. We don't tell people to run promoted pins simply for traffic because it's just too hard to measure if it's worth it. Yeah. So we tell people if you want to get people on your email list, that's why I use it. A lot of times we'll run a promoted pin on our image guide just to get people into the pipeline. We do have, you know, an offer that comes up right after they sign up, kind of like the tripwire offer. So that gets a lot of people into buying our product, our low cost products too, as well. But a lot of product sellers are doing really good with promoted pins. And we always tell people, if you're interested in promoted pins, just spend some time on Pinterest looking at what people are promoting, like what types of pins they're putting dollars behind and starting to think of what you can do for your own business where you know you're actually going to make money or it's going to result in some kind of tangible conversion. So that's where we're seeing people do really well. Yeah, if somebody else is spending money and if they are, hopefully it's ROI positive. It's you kind of if you can reverse engineer what their funnel looks like or what they're trying to sell there. Uh, so that's Ads Society. And then the marketing membership was the Simple Pin Media Collective. You can find all of those at simplepinmedia.com. Kate, let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation 2021 edition. Keep your blinders on in your own business and really try to be have your business be the thing that you compare to instead of other people's businesses. I feel like I've learned that a lot this year and just really focusing on my audience, my readers, our goals, instead of getting caught up in the comparison trap of other people's businesses. That's just been a pretty big lesson for me in 2020, not to get distracted. So that's been really fun leading into 2021 is put those blinders on, head down and serve people in the best way that you can. I like it. Keep your blinders on. You're really only racing against yourself. Focus on your business. Avoid the comparison trap. So true. I really appreciate you coming by and sharing all this stuff with Side Hustle Nation. Once again, you'll find links to all the resources mentioned in this episode, along with the full text summary of our call at sidehustlenation.com slash pin2021, P-I-N 2021. And if you want to learn more about driving traffic to your website, check out thetrafficcourse.com. This is my all new quick study course on how bloggers and online business owners can step up their traffic game with the same simple and effective keyword and content strategies that I use at Side Hustle Nation. Feedback from early students has been great. And it's been honestly a lot of fun watching people take action on the material and begin to see some results there. Again, that's at thetrafficcourse.com. Check it out. See if it's right for you. Big thanks to Kate for sharing her insight. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.